I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start, and current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we begin our journey with episode 170, which originally aired on May 22nd, 2013, and in which Megan Bob meets the Swamp Demons. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this first official episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. In the last episode, which was sort of our episode zero, we broke down how pro wrestling works and explained sort of our methodology for this podcast, what we're doing, how we're doing it, and why we're doing it. So if you haven't listened to that, it's highly recommended, especially if you are a new wrestling fan or someone looking to get into wrestling for the first time. This, though, is our first official episode because this is the debut of the format that Pop and I came up with for this podcast. Here's how it's going to work. We're going to start with Bob's breakdown, in which Bob will synopsize what happened in this episode of NXT and tag me in if she needs anything explained. We will then get into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling, where Bob will tell us about things that stood out to her in this episode. And finally, we will hit the segments that we debuted last time, which are the wrestling term of the week and the cheap pop quiz. So with that in mind, let's get into the very first edition of Bob's Breakdown. Match one! Scheduled for one fall. Okay, quick, Miles, I am tagging you in. This is a tag team affair. I forgot what a fall is. <laughs> So a fall is a referee's decision about who has won or lost. Basically, the thing in which someone wins the match. All right. Armed with this knowledge, music starts and a bro enters, flashing a brodacious smile, wafting bravado all over the place. (laughs) Kurt, the bro Hawkins. A different man enters smiling like a golden retriever was granted its wish to be a real boy. This pupper is ready to rumble. It is Sami Zayn. Hawkins' expression says, why is this doggo here? The bell rings, <laughs> mutual face grabs, and face holds start off the match. The ref uh-huh. then tries to rein Hawkins in because he's being too pushy to this good, good boy. Hawkins backs off. Then Zayn does face smacks. Hawkins does not care for face smacks. Grab Zane in what I assume is a hold. Hawkins does this guess who face grab from behind. <laughs> There's some generic back and forth. And then the match slows down, probably because they're getting tired. I'm tagging you in for that. Is that a thing they're doing as part of the artifice of the match? Or is that just a thing that happens because they're athletes and they're tired? It's part of the artifice of the match. So there's a standard like format for a wrestling match. In the most basic wrestling match possible, you usually have your baby face, your good guy, right? Okay. Come out strong and, you know, have the heel, aka the villain, sort of on their heels, so to speak, at the beginning of the match. And then the heel takes over the match and slows everything down. Oh. You want the crowd cheering the baby face. So the baby face is going to be doing all the fast, cool moves that the crowd is going to cheer for. 
the heel slows everything down and grinds things to a halt because then the crowd is more likely to boo him and more likely to cheer the babyface's comeback, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense and helps helps me to understand the shape of the matches much more. The match slows down. Then there's some bouncing on the ropes, some Irish whips. I do not remember who was doing them. It was a lot <laughs> of back and forth. Miles, what was all the back and forth about? Is that another part of slowing it down and just trying to get that crowd investment? Well, you know, so not all matches follow the same formula. So usually when you get a lot of back and forth, what you've got here in this match, to give it some context, is you've got Kurt Hawkins, who is a lower level main roster guy, right? So okay. he's not... An NXT dude. He's just a dude from the main roster, kind of slumming it a little bit, right? Ooh. But but he's still, you know, he's still a main roster guy, so he carries some respect. He's held a couple of championships and all this stuff. He's been around for a while. And then you've got Sami Zayn. It's his first night in NXT, but as William Regal does a great job of explaining on commentary, he is a well-known independent star. Um, and we'll actually get into that at some point. I'm not sure if we'll get into it this week, but we'll talk more about who Sami Zayn was on the independent scene because it's very interesting. Nice. So what you've got is this dynamic between Sami Zayn, who people kind of know him and they're very excited for his debut. And then you've got Kurt Hawkins, who technically is on a higher level, but is on the lower rung of that higher level. Mm. So there's a reason that these two are being presented fairly evenly. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of back and forth in this match, because they want to make it clear that they're on similar levels. Ah, okay. So my main memory is that Hawkins just looking at Zane going, why is he so full of kicks? Because he keeps yeah. kicking out of everything. And yes. the final move of the match happens very quickly. Sami Zayn pins bro down and is delighted. Just a big smile on his face. And then he wins. And then in a moment that I bothered to capture because it was very important to me, the camera cuts to Hawkins on the mat breathing heavily. The ref is tenderly holding his hands near Hawkins' face like, do I dare to touch him? Do I dare to lay my hands upon this visage? The camera cuts away. <laughs> we will never know if the ref gave in to those gentle desires to comfort this fallen bro. Oh my gosh. I know. So hopefully someday we get closure about that. I'll have to start watching Kurt <laughs> this, Hawkins matches. This crucial moment. <laughs> so next up came a Corey Graves promo that reminded me powerfully of guys I used to be into. Is this a call out? <laughs> Am I being targeted by this promo? Because I do not appreciate this PSA about how I should maybe not have been so into grimdark tragic dudes. Look, I read Wuthering Heights. I listened to The Phantom of the Opera. I'm not a perfect human being. Okay, this attack so, aside. Quick uh, term correction, Bob. So yes. when you use the word promo, ah. that carries a very specific meaning in wrestling. Oh, a promo usually okay. refers to, to when a wrestler has a, a microphone or is doing like a backstage interview and is actually doing a little speech, right? That's oh. that's usually in wrestling, that's a promo. Now, I understand the confusion because this is obviously what you're seeing for Corey Graves here is promotional material. Yes. But we usually refer to this as a video package. Oh. Just so you know. I mean, I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of the use of the word package. So that, I would have expected no less. I will put that aside for a later date. Okay. <laughs> Match two scheduled for, <laughs> I think it was one fall. I think they're all one fall, right? They're all one fall, unless yes. it specifically says otherwise. Okay. 
Antonio Cesaro, a bold man in a small but brave pair of underoos, shows up. <laughs> His Swiss outfit, many style points, bright, simple, clean lines. Good job, costume department. Then yeah. ricocheting his way into this ring with a beautiful emo patch of red hair is Yoshitatsu. He seems like a joy. I like him. Gosh, I hope we get to see him do some really cool. Oh, the match is over. Well, yeah. So I'm guessing this has narrative purposes that Yoshitatsu is being used as a prop to allow Sami Zayn to come back in. And that's the yes. only purpose for having him in there. That's true. This match is just a setup for the next one because Cesaro beats him so quickly that it allows Cesaro to get on the mic and talk about how he's got no competition, which brings out Sami Zayn. Okay, because yes, the next point, Cesaro does get on the mic. And then, oh my God, a second man also has a mic. About halfway through this exchange, I realized that the second man was Sami Zayn. Did not occur to me at first. I was like, who's this stranger? I often recognize faces. Apparently not this evening. I did not. Then, <laughs> oh shit, they speak a variety of languages at one another. It is a polyglot dick measuring contest. I yep. did not see that coming. <laughs> It's probably one of the only examples in wrestling of a true polyglot dick measuring contest. Because usually, like, look, wrestling tends to cater to the lowest common denominator. So if a guy's speaking French, he's probably a heel. I had a lot of questions about that. I was going, this is exploring a thing that I had not expected to see happen in the first full wrestling match that I watched to yeah. go, yes, multilingualism is the future. But yeah, here we are. I was very proud. It, it made me happy. One of the many ways in which NXT tends to be better than than a lot of Vince McMahon's primary product. Oh, good for them. It's, I less, also... it's less xenophobic. Yes. Yes. OK, so then they wrestle, which is the next part of this thing. Cesaro yeah. gets Sami Zayn down and does this sexy hold. So he gets <laughs> Zayn's arms above his head on the mat and in the fanfic that is the instant sign of going in for a kiss and for a second i was going why is he not going in for a kiss and then i remembered <laughs> this is fighting and that's probably that's not right. going to happen but then they hold hands and do some moves while holding hands and i just really enjoy that they were holding hands while they did some athletics together zane throws cesaro to the edge of the ring cesaro gets out of the ring and kicks the stairs in frustration Rah, take that stairs and then <laughs> Back in the ring, Cesaro tosses Zayn about and then stomps him right in the snoot. I gasped both times I saw it. Even though I know they're professionals, it looks like there is no way to take that kind of hit without it being pretty uncomfortable. There's no way to wrestle without being pretty uncomfortable. I was like, that's a very brave thing to do. I was shocked that anybody would go, yes, that's fine. I trust you enough to allow you to stomp my face a little bit. Oh, man. Bob... We're never going to show you any, like, matches with hardcore weapons and blood because you want to see some crazy shit. We're not going to do that, though. I know a little bit about some of that because I had friends who I think had a fondness for that style. Mm. And even being tangentially exposed to it was, it was a lot to take. <laughs> okay, so it is several rounds of near pins and then kick out. Zane kicks out constantly, mm -hmm. which now that you've explained to me how the beats of wrestling work, I'm assuming that these were also part of that slowing down the match and trying to build that tension so that the audience gets invested in either side. The typical beats of your standard wrestling match are the babyface goes crazy at the beginning, which is what Zane was doing when he like threw Cesaro out of the ring and Cesaro kicked the steps in frustration. And then the heel takes over. 
He slows down the pace. There's a false comeback usually. So the baby face attempts to come back and the crowd gets really behind him. But then the heel like snuffs it out and gets him back down again. Then there's the real comeback. And then from there, either one of them wins, depending on, you know, where we're going with the characters in the match. Okay. So Zane climbs up the ropes and he does a beautiful leap at Cesaro, who catches him like it's the Russian ballet. Uh-huh. Just catches him when does not shake a single muscle. And it was so beautiful and I wanted it to stop there, but instead he throws him to the ground <laughs> and does some bad guy things while Zane rolls around on the mat going oof. And that's how you know he's having a rough time. Cesaro is one of the strongest wrestlers you'll ever see in the world. He's amazing. That helps explain why he was able to do that, because I was very impressed that he also did what was essentially a deadlift with Zane and thought he must have a substantial amount of core strength. Yeah, one of his nicknames is the Swiss Superman, and he is just unbelievably strong. My back was weeping a little in sympathy just watching some of the things that he did and then i remember yeah. this man probably works out a lot i'm guessing <laughs> he does so then in a last minute reversal that i didn't see coming because why would i see it coming right zane slips his arrow into a hold and then the ref counts one two three you win congratulations you did it which was yes. the fastest counting i've heard in my life with some exceptions <laughs> of instances wherein myself and others were doing one two three not it <laughs> That's usually called a roll up. That thing that Zane does where he, he oh. just rolls him up for a pin. And it's kind of one of the when you see a match end with a roll up, there's one of a couple of stories being told. But one of them that we're seeing here is kind of the underdog victory. Like a lot of times you'll see when a guy is like completely outmatched because Cesaro is on a higher level than Kurt Hawkins. Like Cesaro is a WWE wrestler who's had real success. Oh, so Zane is kind of a crazy underdog in that match. And usually in those situations when the underdog is going to win, you'll have him win with a roll up so that the heel can kind of go like, wait, wait a minute. It's like you just got me. He got you that one time, you know. Oh, okay. Because it did look like a different kind of pinning than I'd seen in the other ones. And I Mm -hmm. wondered what that was about. All right. Nice. Now I have another piece of the puzzle. Yeah, because like a traditional wrestling match, again, like you'll see the wrestler hit like one move, which is like their finishing move, and then they'll pin their opponent and they'll get the victory. But a roll up is not a finishing move. It's just kind of a like it's totally legal. There's nothing like wrong or, you know, dishonorable about it. It's just like, oh, shit, I was better than you at wrestling for three seconds. What? (laughs) Then this helps explain the match is over and Cesaro is super pissed. And he roughs up Zane, mm-hmm. and then he pisses off. To me, Cesaro came across, and this is just my frame of reference from, I don't know, fanfic maybe. Uh-huh. He came across as this frustrated Dom who had been hired but was going, <laughs> why did you pay for this if you did not want my strong <laughs> arms to hold you down? You had other options, but you came here for this, and are fighting this. <laughs> so that's who Cesaro is to me. That's who Cesaro is now. <laughs> he's been hired as a dom and he's going, what happened in the discussion process where we planned out this session? Why are you fighting this? <laughs> and then backstage, something very special happens. Drums with Audrey Marie and Emma. Audrey Marie is being interviewed by someone. I don't know if it matters yet who Audrey Marie is being interviewed by. And then comes Emma, who is about as bright as a dying fridge bulb. And Audrey Marie <laughs> calls her stupid. Emma 
with the mildest amount of conviction I've ever heard, says, well, stupid must be the new hipster word for totally cool. And Emma is perfect, and I will defend her forever. Emma's fantastic. I had not remembered just how bad she was initially at reading her lines. I wonder, did she write those lines herself? Did she not get the script until five seconds before? (laughs) What happened? Because that was... You know how they say in acting, make a strong choice? It's yeah. like she didn't even make a choice. It's just like it just happened to her. And then she's like, oh, these words are coming out of my mouth. Oh, well. <laughs> I also love the moment where Audrey Marie's like, you can get out or I can take you out. And she's like, out to dinner? Because I'm hungry. Like, can we do that? I know. I had a little bit of feels about that because I was going, ooh, meet cute. <laughs> Probably not, but I was very delighted. I think Emma can only get better from here. I don't think there's any other direction to go. And uh, as far as the backstage interviewer is concerned, her name is Renee Young, and you will Renee be seeing Young. more of her. Okay. So, yeah. I will keep my eyes peeled for Renee. Match three, scheduled for one fall. Enzo Amore arrives in a shiny snake pattern jacket that screams Sears from 2002. To compliment this, he sports what I can only call a pony mullet as it is. Too much hair for a rat tail, but not enough for a proper mullet. Then says, I am a real G, which I took to mean good effort, Enzo. Because I do not know what a real G is, nor a fake G. There's so many conversations to be had about that man, and we will have them later. (laughs) (laughs) So his opponent, Mason Ryan, cute half ponytail, which I noticed very much because that was a hairstyle I used to wear. Yeah. Also, Underoos is noted as being from North Wales, Mm -hmm. built like a Welsh hillside. Can picture sheep grazing upon the slopes (laughs) of those abs. And I regret saying that because that is too weird. (laughs) Get off that man, sheep. Okay. (laughs) Miles, I'm going to tag you in for this because I had some fashion questions. Is it generally the case that one person in the match is wearing the undies and one person is wearing leggings or is it completely random? It's completely random. Everybody wears their own thing. Okay. Ryan tosses Enzo around, gets him in the corner, tosses him around some more, pulls him up by the hair, tosses him, grabs him again, then in a moment that spoke to me, holds Enzo aloft like this was a moment from Norse myths and his lover had fallen in battle and he was going to drag him to the gods and demand they heal him. And then he throws him to the ground like a bag of wet garbage, pins him and it's over. (laughs) It was so beautiful. He just holds him like, why would you take him from me? And then, (laughs) bam. That was a quick match. And then the majority is taken up by the final match. Corey Graves enters a tattooed goth boy with a fine haircut. I have complaints because that filth parade vest is way too clean. Undercut (laughs) all of the goth and punk aesthetic that he was going for. Mm. Not a single bit of dust or grime upon that thing. And then. Good point. Bray Wyatt ambles out of the swamp mists with the Wyatt family like a bunch of bored bears. You got the little promo package for Bray Wyatt too, right? The video package for Bray Wyatt. I very much enjoyed that. Yeah. And Wyatt is wearing a party shirt and white linen pants and a half face mask. The Phantom of 
the swamper rise here inside the ring. You know what's funny about that is that he doesn't usually wear that mask. That's not part of his costume. He was wearing it because he, I guess he had like a nose issue. Like his nose got broken or almost broken or something. Uh. So it's to protect his face during the match. But it looked great. It did. I was kind of into it. He comes in in this party shirt and then Wyatt takes off the party shirt. So, you know, he means business because now he's Mm -hmm. just in the black tank top and the white linen pants. I don't know if these pants really are white linen, but they look like white linen to me. And I like to think that he's sensible and lives in the South and it goes, well, it's hot outside. You wear linen or seersucker. This is just how I think about it. So he gets Graves in the corner. Graves gets away, then gets Wyatt in the corner and yells, stay down, stupid to Wyatt. And I was going, oh, that's so mean. Why why did you call him stupid? There was no need for that, Corey Graves. I was like, that's fine that you're hitting each other. I understand that to be part of this. However, I feel very rude to insult somebody's intelligence. That's a good point. All right. So the Wyatt family members, Rowan and Harper, who came with Bray Wyatt, are watching the match and moving their heads side to side like cautious wildlife peering out from the woods and periodically the camera cuts back to that so you don't forget there's this wildlife you're watching so graves nearly pins wyatt several times the mask came off Wyatt gets out of the ring puts it back on and back in the ring to kick the frick out of graves graves does this amazing monkey shenanigans move and pulls wyatt back on the ropes and sort of is hanging from wyatt's neck back over the ropes Mm, which that looked very cool Wyatt then throws his entire self at Graves after getting out of that hold and (laughs) pancakes him so hard. Then they're both out of the ring for a little bit. Wyatt tosses him back in the ring like, go on, get. And then I just made a note to myself. Wyatt has all of the self-regard of the Phantom of the Opera and all of the insane stylings and dignity of a refined swamp monster. Like, what if Bigfoot was into performance art? Bold. (laughs) So Graves held down, but gets back up and then does some armpit smacks, which I do not like the armpit smacks. Those seem very painful. Corey Graves gets Wyatt over the top rope and then Graves goes through the rope after him and the ref is going, damn it, children, get back in this ring. Yes. And Wyatt slaps Graves with his foot, which is gross. Guys, your feet have got to be so sweaty and nasty (laughs) mid-match. I'm not into that. Graves gets out of the hold after some rope play, which is what I'm going to call it. Rope play. <laughs> should not call it that, but it is too late now. No, you definitely should. Graves gets the momentum, tries to get Wyatt into a submission, and then the Wyatt family gets into the ring like helpful bears. The ref <laughs> notices almost nothing like a Jellystone Park Ranger. <laughs> the bears are then eventually chased away. Wyatt pins Graves. He holds Graves' face tenderly and then smooches him. Uh-huh. I, the match is over at this point, and I don't care if we weren't supposed to notice that. It is literally the first thing I noticed. And then Cassius Ono leaps into the ring and starts trying to kick butt, and then the Wyatt family is pissed off that that's happening. The bears gather together, beat up Ono. Bray gets him down. He mumbles what I assume are lyrics. And Mm. then the Wyatt family dissolves back into the depths of the Swampira Populaire. Beautiful. And if you notice, Wyatt actually kisses Graves' forehead right before he delivers his finishing move as well. um, Which he does to all his opponents. I assure you it's quite evil. (laughs) (laughs) It's so soft, though. Oh, all right. Well, thank you for that breakdown, Bob. That was awesome. You just took us through every piece of this episode. After watching it, you've watched it twice now. 
What do you think? How do you feel? Where are you at with uh, the show after watching it for the first time? I still am not a person who loves combat, but I appreciate how invested they are. And I am a sucker for anything where there is a high level of investment and they want to win. So I get a lot out of watching somebody like Cesaro look pissed off that it's not going the way that he imagines it's going, even though not really supposed to have any feelings about him. And I also get a lot of mileage out of Sami Zayn, it being his first episode of NXT and being delighted to be in it and getting to do his first, at least on NXT, his first back and forth on the mic with Cesaro and looking like, ah, it's really happening. I'm doing it. I'm yelling (laughs) at a guy in the ring. And God damn, was Bray Wyatt a revelation of what anything could be like? I don't know what to call the performance that Bray Wyatt is giving or why he's giving it, but he's like a haunted collection of matter that has been animated and brought to life to come and just wreak havoc, but doesn't seem mean about it. Just haunted. It's like, well, look, this piece of the swamp has come to life and it's not personal. It just (laughs) wants to be left alone and go back to the swamp. If you lay down and let the swamp win, it will leave you alone. (laughs) Bray Wyatt's, uh, I can see why people love Bray Wyatt a lot. Also, maybe you're not supposed to feel this way about a swamp monster, but I just want to hug him. I just really want to hug Bray Wyatt. (laughs) You're not the only one. Did I text you to tell you how many Bray Wyatt fanfics there are out there? Yeah, Is that what I texted you about? There are Uh, only 343, I think. I like to think that a lot of it is just predicated on going, don't you want to hang out with this haunted person? And, you know, the thing about Bray Wyatt is that he's doing a character that you don't see a lot in wrestling. You know, it's like, you know, we've seen cult leaders, you know, we've seen kind of like megalomaniacs, but his delivery, like you heard it in the video package for him. Yeah. His delivery is so good and he's so committed to the role And, you know, I used to listen to him in interviews where he wouldn't break character, (gasps) like podcast interviews. And I know that, like, right now, wrestling fans who actually know these characters and, like, follow modern wrestling are screaming at me to, like, tell you more about Bray Wyatt and, like, (laughs) what eventually happened with him and what he's doing now. And I can't do it. But we will get into it at some point. Um, Oh, no. I'm so worried. You know what? I'm going to commit myself to enjoying the ride. As it is. So as long as he wants to be friends with alligators, I'm going to enjoy that. And if he takes a different path and is no longer friends with them, then that's how it is. Before we move on, let's go ahead and revisit last episode's cheap pop quiz in which there was one question. Which non-wrestling character formed the foundation for a real wrestling character that you would see in this episode? I know that you knew that Enzo Amore was based around uh, Mike the Situation from Jersey Shore. Figured that out. You chose the answer of Max Katie from Cape Fear, which I'm afraid is incorrect because that is what Bray Wyatt's <gasps> character is partially based on. Oh, okay. The third answer was uh, Marty McFly from Back to the Future, which was the correct answer because there is no there is no Marty McFly based character on this episode. I was desperately trying to figure out which one of them could possibly be considered a Marty McFly, and the closest <laughs> I got was going, I don't know. 
maybe Kurt Hawkins, <laughs> you know, has a hoverboard. He's greasy. Yeah. <laughs> and that was that was as close as I got. All right. So now it's time for our next segment, Bob. And we're going to talk now about the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Yes. And because we are enormous nerds, these have very special titles, which we're going to unveil for you now. So, Bob, first question regarding this episode. One thing. What did your elf eyes see? My elf eyes noted the sheer number of bobby pins holding Corey Graves' pompadour in place. (laughs) I didn't even notice that. Yes, because his hair is a little bit long and I didn't notice it at first. And then I, having done a pompadour before, I was going, wait a minute. That's the telltale flattened bit that you get whenever you have to pin it back with a ton of bobby pins. And then it got just a little bit closer and I could see there were maybe seven of them or something. Because that's just how much it takes to keep that much hair in place. And I don't know how they otherwise keep their hair in place if it's just a ton of Aquanet and prayers, but I was amazed that his hair never came out of that. That's fascinating. I'm going to go back and watch for that now. (laughs) I assumed it was just gel, like he just gelled it, but you're right. It does not come undone, so he must actually uh, have it up like that. All right, Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? This was a quote from the commentators. Wyatt has taken this opportunity to put the mask back on. It certainly affects his vision. Although when I asked him that question, he said, away from me, journalist man. I tire of your questions. (laughs) That made me so happy because I then was confronted with the idea that maybe Bray Wyatt is sort of a weird supervillain character where they talk in this very formal, no contractions kind of way. Mm -hmm. That was just so delightful. And I wanted to hear Bray Wyatt answer and address a million things then if how he answers is away from me, journalist man. I tire of your questions. That's how Namor the Submariner talks. Tom Phillips delivers it so well, too, because he's just like plays it totally straight. And then Regal is just like, you know, sometimes I tire of your questions as well. (laughs) I know that line was so good. I was delighted with it. And I wondered, was that a line that he had prepared earlier? Either of them had prepared earlier or was this pretty much off the top of their heads? My guess is that Phillips prepared the line earlier. Um, It might have been something he worked out with Bray. Like Bray was like, hey, say this on commentary. And Regal was probably just improving off him. Uh-huh. It was a good line. If I came up with that line, regardless of when I came up with it or how I came up with it, I'd be pretty delighted. Yeah, William Regal is a longtime veteran of the ring and uh, has done pretty much everything in the wrestling business. So generally, the longer someone's been around, the more they can be trusted to do their own thing and sort of improv, both in talking and in wrestling. So Regal is just a, a master of his craft in every way. I love him so much. He's pretty delightful. I enjoyed a lot of what he had to say. I wasn't always sure if he was talking because he understood that part of their job is to fill in the gaps whenever there's silence that you have to then have somebody saying something. You can't just go, well, we're just watching this thing happen. Right. 
or if he always went, I need to say this because it's important to say, but I didn't care. I just enjoyed it every time he opened his mouth. You know, the commentator's job is to tell the story of each match. So he does a really good job with that. Like during the Sami Zayn Cesaro thing, he does a very good job of like putting over that Sami is an internationally renowned wrestler and that he's you know, very good, but that Cesaro is on another level and his reaction when Sammy wins that match is really good. So, yeah. All right, Bob, it's time for the stories and the the characters or rather a story or a character Mm -hmm. that may have touched your soul in this first episode. What did your human heart feel? Back to the beginning of the match, I genuinely did feel bad for Kurt Hawkins. The look of defeat on his face as he lays face up in the ring It did not change how happy I felt for Zayn, because how can you not feel happy for somebody who, you know, is like a TV version of a golden retriever, not even like a real (laughs) version of a golden retriever? How could you not go, I'm so happy you're happy. But to see Hawkins laying there going, how is this my life? It made it less fun that Hawkins lost, but it also made me, I appreciated that he delivered his loss that way. And stared up with a why me, God, look on his face. It was very delightful, but I did have feelings about it. Fun fact about uh, Kurt Hawkins, he eventually did go back to the main roster and uh, only very recently broke a losing streak that was in the two or three hundreds, I believe. <gasps> so. Oh, my goodness. I don't. Yeah, it's very. I'm happy for him, but also to have suffered so much. I assume that he gets some say in that. But oh, my gosh. Not not as much as you might think. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering <laughs> right. about that. Was the crowd delighted when he won or is he a heel? And so whenever he wins, it doesn't matter that it was breaking a losing streak. Everyone goes, ah, why? Get out of here, you. He was back to being a babyface by that point. So people were pretty oh. excited when he won. It also happened on the pre-show of WrestleMania, so it kind of <laughs> happened during the time when the crowd was still filing into the building. So, oh you know. my god, that's so <laughs> terrible. I feel even more powerfully for Kurt Hawkins now. I don't care if he is a bro. Even bros have feels. I don't actually remember how frequently he shows up in these early NXT episodes, but hopefully we see him again. Yeah, I um, could get some closure about his relationship with the ref, absolutely. his relationship with Loss. Is he going to stop wearing that weird little choker he was wearing so those were the sights sounds and feels of pro wrestling thank you for that bob now it is time for the wrestling term of the week but first last episode we did our very first wrestling term of the week which was the irish whip and of course bob's task in the time since has been to prepare her flash fanfic making use of this term so bob take it away She was pushed up against the ropes. Her sweat-soaked hair slapped against his face as she shoved him back. He felt the ropes draw taut behind him, then freed him as she let go. The Irish whip shot him across the ring, rebounding on the opposite side. His feet tangled. He could stop, could let go of the faint thread of momentum tugging him back towards the woman crouched ready for him. But stopping would mean never knowing what she would do in that moment. The way her hands might touch him, how her strength would absorb the impact, pressing their bodies together in combat. He knew he could stop, but why on earth would he? Beautiful. Well, I want to make clear something. If you are wondering why a male-female situation, 
which I know is not super common in wrestling, a friend asked me to write Pam Namor fanfic. So <laughs> if you're so inclined, you can imagine this as a wrestling match between Namor the Submariner and Pam Poovy from Archer. And you definitely should. Intergender wrestling is a thing that should happen more often, but you're uh, right, it is not common. And I absolutely believe that Pam had a career in pro wrestling. Oh, of course she fucking did. Both of them. Both oh, of them yeah. did. Let's be honest. Excellent understanding shown of both the Irish whip and what the Irish whip means. I really appreciate yes. that like on a symbolic level. We talked about that last time. Oh, thank you. So with that, it's time for this week's wrestling term of the week. So the wrestling term of the week, Bob, is the jobber squash. Okay, that's fun to say. Now, this is technically two terms, but they're very strongly related. So a squash match or simply a squash, is a short match in which one wrestler totally dominates the other and wins quickly and easily. Mason Ryan versus Enzo Amore in this week's episode was a squash match. Excellent. Or to put it in active terms, Mason Ryan squashed Enzo Amore. Oh, okay. But it wasn't a jobber squash, because Enzo isn't a jobber. A jobber is someone whose entire job is to lose squash matches, making their opponent look good in the process. They have no established character and their entrances don't make it on television. So by the time you see a jobber on TV, he or she is usually already in the ring. Wow. Now you contrast this with Enzo Amore, who got a lengthy entrance that was used firmly to establish his character for the audience. Yes. By the way, the term jobber derives from the broader term job, which is simply to lose a match. Oh. To, to do the job or to do a job refers to the need in the wrestling business for someone to play the role of loser. So if losing is your entire role, you're a jobber. And this family of terms can also be used in a more like hostile fashion. For example, if a wrestler is on bad terms with management and is on their way out, and management keeps having them lose to other wrestlers, you mm. might say that wrestler is being jobbed out. I like that we're getting past tense as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that was your wrestling term of the week. Come back uh, next episode for Bob's Flash fanfic explaining what a jobber squash is. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to do some thinking about what the emotional impact of that is. And finally, Bob, it is time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Or at least my favorite part of the show. Because <laughs> I have a lot of fun writing these questions. The Cheap Pop Quiz. All right, hear me. Three questions for the Cheap Pop Quiz. All of these are going to refer in some way to next week's episode to prep you a little bit for that episode. Question number one. What is a battle royal? Is it A... A special kind of match involving an unusually large number of participants. B. A special kind of match that you win by throwing your opponent over the top rope to the floor outside. C. A special kind of match in which the announcers spend an inordinate amount of time talking about the wrestler's feet. <laughs> or D. All of the above. You know, I'm going to say that it's an unusual amount of people. That's what I'm going to say. All right. Question two. What unlikely alliance of character types appears on next week's episode? These are characters that are allied with each other, even okay. though it's kind of a weird partnership, all right? Is it A, a photogenic male model and a South African game hunter? Is it B, 
a guy who loves wearing headbands and a guy who loves wearing headphones. <laughs> C, a trashy rich Frenchman and a pair of good old boy rednecks. Or D, a Yeti and a biker gang. Oh, I want all of these. <laughs> I want all of them. I'm going to say the first one. I liked the first one a lot, and it seems not too implausible to me. But God, I hope there's a Yeti. Question three, third and final question. Pay attention to this one, Bob. Okay. Which member of the cast of the 1976 remake of A Star is Born? Oh, geez. Has a son who became a pro wrestler and appears on next week's episode as one of the people I mentioned in question two. <sighs> is it A, Barbara Streisand? B, Chris Christopherson? C, Gary Busey? Or D, Robert England, who was uncredited in A Star is Born as Marty, but of course went on to portray Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Oh, geez. One uh, of these is true. You know, I get a real pro wrestling vibe from Gary Busey, so okay. I'm going to say Gary Busey. All right. And uh, for the answer to all of those questions, come back next time. For now, I think that's all we got for the first episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bob, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you for being willing to guide me on this journey as I frequently forget things and then have to <laughs> relearn them. <laughs> it is my pleasure. And thank all of you so much for listening to this, for being a part of this burgeoning community that we're trying to build. Yeah. We've done a lot of like promotion leading up to the release of this episode, and I'm excited that it's finally here and we're finally <laughs> yes. going. So thank you all so much. And just don't forget to subscribe and, and give us a good review if you like the show. Yes, please. Um, you know, tell people about it. We really want this to be a thing that grows and that people can enjoy regardless of their level of wrestling fandom. And if you know anything about Smash Fiction, if you've listened to Smash Fiction at all, you know that we over at Smash Fiction are very into fan engagement and talking to you on the internet. So you can do that, of course, uh, at NXT Wrestling Fan on Twitter. We're more than happy to talk to you. We love talking yes. to you on social media. Send me fan art and fanfic of these characters if you find any just send it to me <laughs> i may not necessarily have the time to read it but i will at least skim it and i will be very interested oh and speaking of twitter nxt takeover toronto i don't think they're actually calling it takeover toronto 2 but it is the second nxt takeover to take place in toronto that was a lot of t words anyway that's happening tonight as this comes oh, out, if you will be watching NST TakeOver Toronto 2, but not really, then you should keep an eye on the Twitter account for this podcast, again, at NXT Wrestling Fan this evening, for I will be live tweeting yeah! the wrestling show. If you want to uh, hear my takes on current NXT as well as old NXT, then uh, yeah, follow that account, especially tonight. 
Also, keep an eye out. It's not here yet, but there is going to be a Patreon for the show. Yes. We're finalizing the goals and tiers and everything we want to do right now, but not many final decisions have been made on that score yet. So if there's anything that you would like us to include in our Patreon, if there's anything that you can think of that you would pay for, that you would like us to do, please let us know. You can, again, talk to us on social media, or you can email the official show email, which is... Uh, what is it again, Bob? NXT Wrestling Fan at gmail.com. NXT Wrestling Fan at gmail.com. Tell me how you felt about Kurt Hawkins. I just, I want to know. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. And we will see you in two weeks right here on the next Wrestling Fan. The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. For episode two, My Little Welsh Pony. Well, you know what? You're here to enjoy the ride, Bob. I'm glad you're enjoying the first episode so far. I'm glad you're having fun. You can't enjoy the ride, though, without the sights. With, with, you can't enjoy the ride without sensory input. So, no, you can't. So let's get into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. <laughs> Unless you've been <laughs> captured by the CIA in an extreme rendition situation. It's a black yes, bag of rear get- yeah, I mean, I assume this is not the situation I'm in. So yeah, let's <laughs> let's talk about that sensory input that I'm allowed to have. <laughs>